Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is with Jessie Garfinkel, and she talks to us about growing up with a veterinarian and a trainer as parents, some experiences that led her into a path of offering bodywork to horses, and how being a Christian helped her with her anxiety. Hope you enjoy. Stable Connections is sponsored by Bay Mare Designs. Bay Mare Designs is a full-service branding and web design studio built for equestrian-owned businesses. Alicia combines her experiences within the design space and her passion for the horse world to create stunning, strategic designs that help you grow your small business. Learn more about how you can attract your dream clients through branding and web design. She services clients nationwide. Please visit www.baymaredesign.com and receive 10% off when you mention Stable Connections, the podcast. Stable Connections is sponsored by Equestrian Accounting. Equestrian Accounting is a virtual accounting firm providing bookkeeping and accounting solutions to boarding and training facilities, farriers, and equine service providers across the U.S. Equestrian Accounting was started with a desire to make an impact by helping equestrian professionals find their way to being profitable doing what they love while also giving them more time back with their horses and clients. They offer customized monthly packages from basic bookkeeping and reports to strategic cash management planning. They cover it all. Visit www.equestrianaccounting.co to schedule a free consultation call and be sure to mention Stable Connections on your call for a discount on your first three months. So my dad's a vet, so I've always kind of been in the equine industry and then my mom was an eventing trainer for a while also. So pretty much from the day I was born, I was thrown on a horse that had a little pony named Popsicle. Oh. It was a terror. <laughs> you know, horses have always been kind of my lifeline a little bit because I'm a person that's getting deep fast, but I'm very prone to anxiety and kind of nervousness. Even just this podcast, when you first asked me, I was like, whoa, no way, I can't do that. But you did it. I You're did doing, it. You're doing it. it. Yeah. You know, I always, whenever I would get anxious, I was like, I have to go see my horse. I have to go see my horse. And they would always help. They would. Until, you know, it kind of ended up being the cause of my anxiety after a while, as we all know. So it's kind of how I ended up being a body worker in the health field because I just had horse after horse with bizarre issues. So I had one, I had him for about probably a month, super excited about him. And then I pulled him out and his TMJ, which is the temporal mandibular joint, was blown up like a baseball. He had to have surgery on it. This whole big long deal. Had to have like six months off. Was it an injury thing or was it just he woke up and something went weird? We don't know exactly what happened. We found out later there was some issue in his past, but we don't know what the original cause was. It got yeah. infected and Yikes. it's a big, big nasty thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I learned a lot about kind of how much just an issue in the cranium in their head can cause for their whole body. Then, you know, I had another thoroughbred with just about everything possible wrong with him. I have, a, I have another one of those right now, actually. <laughs> with, you know, kissing spine through the whole back and torn ligaments in the SI, irregular cervical spines, that type of thing. Is it a lot of these things 
did they race the yes. ones you have do you think a lot of that was caused 100%. by that yeah <laughs> like just starting young and you know the yeah. ill-fitting little tiny saddle that they like just all the things yeah yeah being in a stall all day mm -hmm. all, all the things yeah so growing up with a vet and a trainer as your parents did you know at a young age that horses were gonna be your oh absolutely life yeah, yeah. did you have other <laughs> paths you out. thought you were gonna take I considered being a vet because I used to help my dad all the time and then as I think it was when I turned like 14 I just like all of a sudden blood <laughs> freaked me out oh, interesting <laughs> I got like super nauseous around blood so that career path's kind of out mm -hmm. so my cousin actually went to massage school so I started kind of watching her and realizing that horses actually like that a lot more than vet work anyway. <laughs> so. Yeah, they actually look forward to the massage therapist. They don't necessarily look forward yes. to the vet. Yeah. So that's kind of why I chose that path originally. And then I, as I had all these problem horses, I started seeing how much that could actually change their lives and help them and move forward in performance. Were you eventing the whole time as well? Um, I wasn't. I was doing jumpers. So. My mom forbid me from ever doing eventers. She saw too many wrecks. So I did the jumper thing and I kind of threw myself really, really hard into that for a while. Showing wise as well? Yes, mm -hmm. I did. And kind of, you know, thought the whole my worth comes from how I do in competition, that type of thing. And it really just kind of messed me up a little bit. You know, I would be in my bed in the middle of the night, just pounding my head on the wall, not able to sleep, not able to think about anything other than just, I messed up. Cause I would get eliminated all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I was younger, I, I started in cutting actually. I did great at that. I, I had really awesome horses, a really awesome trainer that let me ride his whole barn, his whole string of horses. And so I got used to winning all the time. And then when I switched to jumpers, cause I got kind of, kind of bored in the cutting. then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be good at this too. I can do this too. And I wasn't. No. Uh, it was very different. And I was in, you know, a very kind of high level barn. And most of the people in my barn did really well. My trainer did great all the time. And so when I didn't, it just threw me for a loop. I was totally freaked out, super anxious, super stressed. Every time I would go to a show, I would like, I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't hardly drink water. It was, it was bad, it was a bad situation. Were you at that age or at all, were you ever diagnosed with anxiety? I wasn't, I mean, it, I knew I had it. <laughs> Sometimes it's obvious. <laughs> yeah, so I started, you know, my trainer recommended to me some, you know, like self-help, horse mindset books and type things and you know, I read them, I did a couple courses on like Noel Floyd's thing, and they helped a little bit, but it was never like this huge change or anything. Cause a lot of it was, you know, change the way you think, change the way you talk to yourself. Sounds easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds real easy. Yeah, and the whole, you know, I am confident, tell yourself you're confident type thing. And I did that, but at the same time, I was like, but at the same time, I know I'm lying to myself. You don't feel it. Yeah. Yes. It's just words. Yeah. Yes. So, honestly, the biggest part of my story isn't even horses. It's that I'm a Christian. Mm. So, don't know how everyone feels about that. But It's your episode. Yeah. Talk about it. If that's, if that's the change that worked for you. So, I actually, one of those nights that I was not able to sleep, my sister randomly 
texted me this song called Heaven Song by Phil Wickham. Highly recommend it. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. And the first lyric was, it's a Christian song. You wrote a letter and you signed your name. I read every word of it page by page. So that occurred to me, like, I'd always been a Christian. My family was Christian, but I didn't, like, read my Bible or anything mm-hmm. or really grasp onto believe it. Believe it with, you know, in my heart of hearts type thing. And so as I was like, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to learn what God told me about myself and about him. And as I did that, I started seeing that the Bible teaches us a lot of the same things of how to control our mind that, you know, all the mindset books do, but in a way that that works. That can grasp onto. Yeah. Yeah. So the main difference is just that in, you know, regular secular stuff it's the focus is on yourself and I can do this I'm good enough I'm confident I'm this I'm that and the bible is you know you're not that you're not good enough you are gonna sin you are gonna mess up and so as I started to get a bigger grasp on the gospel which if you don't know biblical gospel (laughs) it is the start that you are inherently sinful you were born sinful you will sin you're gonna mess up you're gonna fall short of the glory of god and never be able to be good enough to do that to be good enough to be worthy of god basically and so because of that we know that the wages of sin is death and so we deserve death but out of his love for us jesus came he died on the cross took the penalty for our sins and offers us his inheritance, his life. So as I started, you know, realizing that and changing my focus from, you know, I'm not good enough, I can't do this, or trying to lie to myself, I am good enough, I can do this, of going, you know what, okay, I'm not, I can't do it on my own, but God is, God is good, God will help me through it. And just that shift of that, he did help me through it, he did give me peace when I asked. The bad things still happen, I still had horses that had a horse right after that get a, mm-hmm. get a chip in their ankle and I was like you know what it's gonna be okay none of this really matters none of this modern you know worldly things in the long run none of it matters if I go get eliminated again doesn't matter if I can't own a horse because I can't afford it it doesn't matter all that matters is that we kind of love God and love people it's funny because I was just talking to somebody about this that whatever brings you hope right and if it's god and the bible or if it's yoga or if it's your horse or if it's plants or whatever like i think it's awesome that you were able to grasp onto something in those dark times and then find your way through it and i'm a believer that we all need something it's been a fun journey so i'm i'm pretty grateful but yeah after all that and i started kind of looking at all my horse issues from a different lens of, okay, this is an opportunity. How can I grow and learn from this? Mm -hmm. Is when I really started learning a lot more about the anatomy and their body work. So I kind of just started with books and videos of like dissections and stuff of, you know, how do all the muscles work together? And then I went to school at Equinology right down the street from here, actually. And was that after high school? So it was actually during high school. I was okay. homeschooled, so I was able because I because I showed horses, <laughs> so yep. of course. So they let me take like a lot of equine courses in place of my high school courses. Oh, that's cool. It was awesome. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I graduated high school at seventeen and was ready to start working, which was amazing. So grateful cool. for that. How did you like the equinology courses? I love them. They are super strong in anatomy and they're very strict on what they're looking for and how much you need to know. You're not just gonna get away with something Mm -hmm. and 
get certified if you're not prepared. I also am still working through it of becoming a certified equine tech cool. just for the, the side hustle it. of it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think that's great to have. Perfect. So with the equinology, was it in-person classes? Yes, okay. it was. So it, if I remember right, their original certification course is, I think it's 10 days in person and then a six-month externship. And then I also went and I did their two MFR classes, myofascial release. So together, I think that was nine days and then another eight months of externship, something like that. And that totally changed my practice that I highly recommend getting MFR if you have any issue with your heart. Yeah. <laughs> or no issue, it's gonna help them anyway. And then I also took a cranial course. So I don't use that a ton, mainly because my practice is primarily just at horse shows. I do go to barns, but it's pretty rare. So I don't always use that because it can kind of mess with their performance the next day a little bit. Um, they kind of need a little bit of a break after you do that. So tell me more about when did you officially start your business and how did you come up with the name and all of that? I got a PEMF machine when I was like 15 because my dad kind of needed it for his back too. So mm -hmm. we kind of went in partners on that. I'd sold a horse so I was able to afford it. And I kind of just on the side a little bit to help pay for horse shows. I would work on a couple people's horses here and there. So I unofficially started when I was like 16. And then when I graduated high school is when I officially like started my business, got a business license. I got the name Equibliss because I had a horse, her name was Bliss. My, my heart horseshoes, pretty special. So, and then it was gonna be like equine bliss, but that was already taken, so. Shortened it to Equibliss and I, I like, like it Equibliss. more anyway. Yeah, yeah, it worked out. See, it does work out. It does. <laughs> and what do you feel like was the hardest part when start, when officially starting your business? It definitely had to be patience, like learning to be patient. You're not just going to have a ton of work, although I was pretty lucky. I, I have some great clients, but... When you've been in the horse world for quite a <laughs> while, it sounds like, yes. all your life. And also just the confidence of being like, I'm good enough to help these horses. I'm not going to mess something up. But that, that was mainly it. And how did you market yourself in the beginning? Just word of mouth? Word of mouth, pretty much. I'm not great at social media. So, I mean, I do a little bit on there. At, at first, I did kind of more of that. Now I just kind of use it to be like, hey, I'm going to be here. Let me know if you, you want me to come type mm -hmm. thing. Do you still offer PEMF? I do. Okay. Yes. So what are you, all your offerings that someone would seek you out for? All right. So I do pulse PEMF, of course, massage and MFR. And then I have a right of it light system, Thermotex blanket, craniosacral. Cool. <laughs> I think that's everything. And how did you choose what things to offer? Mainly just tried stuff and saw what worked, saw what helped the horses. I'm thinking about getting a laser right now just because I've heard such amazing things about it. I just personally haven't had great experiences with it yet. Like I've had other people put them on my horses and stuff and haven't felt a difference, which is the reason I haven't yet. But I know other people who are like, they're amazing, you have to. So really just trial and error type thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel like with any job that you start when you start and you know a year two years three years four years like it just sort of naturally evolves into your own thing right. so i think it's great that you offer a lot of different things yes. <laughs> and so are you still showing i am trying yes so i don't really have a horse that's ready to show right now i have a mare right now so 
seven-year-old Warmblood that was supposed to be my next show horse. She has a cyst in her navicular, which only shows up like on the perfect angle x-ray, so we didn't know she had it. So we were doing jumpers with her, and it was going really well. We got to like the meters, 3-3, and she started going kind of off, kind of sore, so backed off, found the cyst, and the, the issue with it is it rubs on the deep digital flexor tendon, mm -hmm. so if you do too much, it can cause a tear pretty easily. So gave her a year off, tried to breed her, didn't take, mm. <laughs> of course. But then we just brought her back, and we're just starting the 2-6 hunter. Cool hunter journey. <laughs> Do you enjoy the hunters so far? I'm starting to. I've never done it before just because everyone was I've knew was always like, oh, hunters are so dull. So no. I never did. <laughs> Doesn't have but to be. I, I'm actually really liking it. Yeah, it's been a challenge because she's pretty forward and she's a little bit small. So to be able to have, you know, the long, slow stride. And how do you feel you've learned how to manage your anxiety over the years? Mainly just prayer and reading the word is what works for me. Whenever I start to feel that anxiousness come back, it's just take a breath and go, you know what, it doesn't matter. If I don't get this client, it doesn't matter. There will be more horses. I have enough. I'm okay. Really, that's that's all it's been. It's been pretty good though. <laughs> yeah. And you I'm guessing you travel a lot if you're mostly do. doing shows. I do travel. Was that on purpose? Pretty much. Yeah, cuz I've since, I mean, since I was like probably eight, I've been traveling, going to shows, and it's just kind of part of my life at this point. Yeah. There was another body worker that I knew in the cutting industry, and she would go to all the big shows. She had a team of people that would work for her, and they would do basically the entire facility of horses, which was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and so I kind of worked with her a little bit and fell in love with what she did, getting to help so many different horses and so many different people but there's not really anyone like that in the hunter-jumper world. Mm -hmm. There's, I mean, there's a couple people here and there, which is great, but there's not someone that, you know, travels around and knows most of the horses. So that was kind of what I've been. What, what you've been, been focusing doing. on. Yeah. yeah. And where do you live? I live right outside Rancho Marietta. So right by the equestrian complex. Right by a big showgrounds, so which is convenient. <laughs> yeah, that's very so convenient because nice. they have a lot of shows there. They do. Pretty yeah. much every weekend, I think. Really? Yeah. Well, because they do all disciplines, mm -hmm. right? And so do you, do you do multiple disciplines as well with massage? I do a little bit. I mostly do hunter jumpers, but like I have a couple reigning clients, a couple pleasure clients, but it's probably 90% jumpers. Okay. And what do you notice the most in your horse clients' bodies that you'd like people to kind of pay attention to or what they can help with? Love people to pay more attention to saddle fit. Yeah. A lot of horses get really sore in their backs and they don't have to be. So just really study and learn what good saddle design is. Don't just always take your fitter's word for it because they're trying to sell you a saddle. Not yeah. that all saddle fitters are bad. There are some amazing people out there, but some of them just don't know. They don't know the anatomy as well. They don't know where pressure should be and where it shouldn't be. But yeah, that and also it's a super common theme out there right now is just make sure your horse is working over their back, change their head position. A lot of times, more in the jumpers than the hunters, they always keep their heads up. They hardly ever let them stretch. And then when they go around the course, yeah, ride however you need to to get over the jump. But when you're doing your flat, make sure they're using their back, make sure you're, they're stretching, and you're gonna clear out so many issues that 
don't need to be there. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever recommend, like, the TheraBands or different things like that? 100%. Okay. Yeah. I have one myself that I use all the time. You definitely have to start slow with it. A lot of people are like, oh, my horse is fit. They'll be fine. I can just start riding in it how I ride already. And you can't. They're going to be really sore. <laughs> yeah. And explain to people that might not know what that is what it is if you can. So basically it's an elastic band that attaches to your pad. So it, there's one piece that goes under their belly, which is what you're going to start with, just that one piece. And then there's another piece that attaches kind of behind under their tail. Mm -hmm. Kind of above their hocks, right? Yeah. It's kind of like on their lower hamstrings there a little bit. It's like a proprioceptive type thing to help them lift up their belly and then keep their hind in underneath themselves. Is the goal with those to eventually not need them and the horse uses their body properly without the yes. reminder of that area? Yes. Yeah. Is your business kind of where you want it to be or what are kind of your goals for it? Right now, yeah, it is actually. I'm right at the level of, you know, having enough business that I can work and still not get like burned out basically. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. There was a while there where I was working so much that my body was giving out, my arms were so sore all the time, I had to go to the chiropractor like every two weeks and massage every two weeks also. <laughs> and then because of that, because it was hurting me to do it, I was like dreading going out and I was like this is horrible, I love my job and I don't want to do it. Well and the horses feel that. Yeah exactly yeah. and they don't enjoy it as much so kind of backed off a little bit take longer breaks now so I'll do like a week of a ton of horses get a ton done in like a week and then I'll take like a week off and then kind of back and forth like that that's good that you already have that discipline <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of people lose that discipline especially in the early years because you've been in business I guess you said officially when you were 15 but it hasn't been like over 10 years for you yet. And so I feel like usually in the beginning stages, you say yes to everything. And it's hard yes. to say no I because. Did do that for a little while. Yep, yep. But it's cool that you've already gotten to the place where you don't say yes to everything because you know you can't physically. Yes. So. Absolutely cannot. Yeah. And let's see. So you do, you would eventually like to show yourself more. Yes. Yeah. I, I would love to just be able to take my horse on the road with me when I work and sometimes just have them there like and not show them one week and then maybe show the next week back and forth type thing. Yeah. Have you ever had a non-horse job? I have not. Never. Never. Okay. <laughs> Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And you didn't go to college it sounds like. You did no. the horse kind of certification kind of yes. stuff. Have you ever thought about going to college? It's crossed my mind. I just it just doesn't appeal to me. I might get my osteopath degree. Cool. So that'll be the closest thing to college that I'll have done. What was it like building your business during COVID? It wasn't that much different, honestly, because when I work, I'm rarely around people. So at horse shows, I usually work at night because... They're showing during the day. Exactly. Yeah. I need the tax stall to have power and everything for my equipment. So maybe I'll see like a groom or two or maybe the trainer, but... It was really pretty, pretty the same. Yeah, was all the business side of things pretty easy for you to grasp onto in terms of scheduling and making sure clients know you're coming when you're coming and keeping track of your books and all of that? Scheduling wasn't too bad. Sometimes figuring out like when horses are showing and when to work on them, that can be a little tougher because like the Grand Prix are on Saturday and the Derbies are on Friday. So everyone wants their Derby horses done 
either Thursday night or Friday morning. Everyone wants their Grand Prix horses done Friday night or Saturday morning. So being able to fit everything into where people need them and figuring out when the horse needs it was definitely a little bit tough, still is at times because there's only so many hours in the day. But the hardest thing for me has definitely been basically just paperwork, getting invoices out and getting paid. Yep. <laughs> I have a great like invoicing app on my phone that I just use now because I, I was using a laptop and I would have to like, you know, write everything down throughout the day and then go plug it into the computer and I would inevitably miss someone every time. Yeah. So. so now you have a, an app that helps you kind of yeah, do all that? put it in right away and then... That's cool that, they, <laughs> that they've made an app for that. I know. Because you do a lot of show horses, do you mostly go through the trainer specifically? Yes. Cool. That I'm probably very, makes it easy. Very rarely contact owners. There's definitely some that want to be involved in it, which is awesome, but a lot of times it's just through the trainer. And then do you have a write-up that you do for each horse or no? I do, yeah. So... I try and keep it fairly simple. I know some of my clients wouldn't agree that it's simple, but <laughs> it's just one page, have notes at the bottom, and then three pictures of a horse of this superficial muscle layer, mineral, and deep. And then I just kind of circle, and then I have a point system, one through five, of, you know, the sensitivity scale type thing. Cool. Yeah. And is that more for your records, and then the clients sometimes like to look at it? It's kind of for both. I like to have them because a lot of times someone will call me like five weeks later and be like hey what'd you find yeah that's so funny um, so yeah i only keep them for about six months because the paperwork just builds up and i have nowhere to, nowhere to store it but also it's nice just to be able to refer people back to that so i don't have to talk about you know all 50 horses of the week <laughs> yeah definitely and have you worked with many like vets and farriers and different people and how, what's that been like yeah so I mean my dad being a vet obviously that helps yep <laughs> he's also an acupuncturist so we work together team up on some horses which is great but then also Marty Gardner I don't know if you know him he's a lameness vet okay. by us is amazing. He's so good at what he does and he loves to teach people. So he always invites me to come hang out with him and those are the best kind of vets. Super yeah. fast. It's really hard <laughs> to keep up with. But it's amazing. So super grateful for that. And then there's an older guy, Moses Gonzalez, and his son Josh Gonzalez. They're farriers. Um, their whole fairy family are farriers actually. There's like six of them. Oh wow, cool. <laughs> Mainly just work with those two, the dad and Josh and they're really really good at spotting imbalances so they were my farrier basically my whole life as i grew up so they kind of were always pointing out look this shoulder's bigger this one's forward this hip's high this heel's low for basically my whole life so that's been amazing being able to see that and then as i got into the body work being able to see oh okay this hip is high but it's not because the leg is shorter it's because it, the muscles are tight and it's getting pulled down. So being able to kind of apply all that knowledge and then if you do have an issue where you can't necessarily get the muscles loose as fast as you need to and it's causing an issue like sciatica pain or something, then it's great to be able to go, hey, put a lift on this horse or put a wedge on them, knock out the pain, and then we'll keep working on getting the, the tension out of them. Yeah, especially if the farrier trusts your opinion and hears you. And I think there are some farriers and or body workers that like you mentioned, like a body worker will mention that and they're like, 
you're telling me how to do my job. <laughs> so I think there's a fine line. Yes. But, but it sounds like you have a, a pretty rapport. Good team around me. Yeah. Cool. An interesting thing that I've kind of been playing around with the last couple years is positive reinforcement. It's definitely not a thing in the horse show world very much yet, but I think it really should be. So I kind of got into it because when the mare I have now ended up with her cyst, I was like, well, still want to do stuff with her. I love her and I can't keep really... her brain busy. Yeah, she's she's a young horse. And she's very busy minded. So started kind of messing with that and first started, you know, just with tricks, taught her the Spanish walk, that type of thing. Cool. And then as I started bringing her back into work, it's like, this works really well for her. She's really happy. I should try it on your saddle. So we actually had Shauna Karish, one of the kind of leaders in positive reinforcement, come do a clinic at our place. And she kind of helped me start getting started under saddle, which cool. really isn't as different as you would think. It's pretty simple once they know the bridge signal and understand not to just slam on the brakes when you when you click or something. Yeah. So I started doing that and I think that's really one of the only reasons I've been able to get her to slow down and relax over jumps. Because I mean, the first time we jumped her, she ran out of the ring. We couldn't even tear her. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I bought I imported her so we'd never watched her road or anything and my trainer was like well we'll set up this little cross rail see how it goes oh and god we, we were just we out. Were out oh no <laughs> so, obviously we got through that with traditional training to have some steering and some, some brakes and collection <laughs> <laughs> definitely there was still an edge of anxiety around it if we ever moved her up too fast or anything she would shut down and start stopping so we had to keep her pretty low for a while until she got, you know, enough confidence in me and then we were able to move up to like three foot. But as we started doing that, clicking and reinforcing, she totally relaxed, totally settled down, much softer through her body, much more over her back. And I was like jumping her on the buckle and jumping her bridle is. Cool. And it's been really fun. And the horses stay much happier because there's more of a reason for them to do it other than just you're gonna get in trouble if you don't do it. Definitely, and you're evolving for her and what works for her instead of doing what works for you right, right away. Like yes. you were willing to learn something new and then it worked for her, which yes. is awesome. <laughs> and it's awesome for horses that have had a bad fitting saddle that get really girthy. It's super easy to change that with it. And it obviously takes a really long time to change that if you just you know, put the saddle on, take the saddle off. Well, if they've on, been doing it like that for a long time, yeah, then it takes a long time to like yes. switch the habit around yes yeah definitely cool well let's go into the question so what is something within the community that you'd like to see evolve or change and then how can you help with that change if you're not already you know the main thing that i wish there was more of is people just celebrating each other there's so much jealousy in this sport and there's so much like arguing and fighting you know you're not doing it right you're not taking care of your horse and I wish people would just, you know, go, you know what, you're trying the best you can, I'm happy for you. Or if someone beats you, it'd be like, you know what, you deserve it. That was great. Good job. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't tell them, just think that in your yeah. brain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, smile at them, be happy. <laughs> Even if you really believe that they didn't deserve it and it was all the horse or something, you can still think, you know, I'm happy for them that they get to ride that amazing horse. That's so awesome. So that's the main thing. I wish people would just... Be happy for each, each other. other. <laughs> yeah. And how are you helping with that change? Mainly, you know, I'm just kind of trying to do that myself. Cheer people on, tell them they're doing great, even if they had a rough day. Yeah, I mean, 
Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> on how you can do that? Yeah, I think just living it. I think, as you were saying, growing up with winning in the other discipline and then coming over and you were like, I'm not winning. How? Like, you know what that feels like to not win. And it, yes. it's hard. But at the same time, to be, you also know what it feels like to win. And that's a cool feeling. And so if you win and then you look around and everyone is like bitter and mad at you or like have these feelings, like the winning doesn't even feel good anymore. And so to smile at people or say good job, or even if the person didn't win, but they had a good round and you can tell the horse is just on one that day or whatever to still like, to still celebrate and congratulate. Like some people, it took so much to get to the show financially (laughs) physically everything like we never really know what people are going through in in their lives at all and so yeah I think that's a great answer to just celebrate each other and just by living that I think that that's really cool awesome good answer and then you get to ask me one question so is there anything you want to ask me I know absolutely nothing about you Mm -hmm. so what do you do for a living (laughs) what do I do for a living so I actually do PEMF oh nice yeah so I I bought a MagnaWave (laughs) 29 end of 2019 so it's been almost four years I guess which is kind of crazy but yeah I do that and then I do this podcast sweet and that's it (laughs) but cool awesome thank you for chatting with me thank you Hello again, and thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. This is your host, Shauna Burke, and if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, don't forget to tune in every Monday morning for a new episode. Follow along on Instagram and on Facebook, and if you or someone you know wants to sponsor an episode, please email stableconnections.sb at gmail.com or visit www.stableconnectionsthepodcast.com. See you next week.